Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello guys, how are you doing out there? I hope you've had a really wonderful week. Welcome to episode 176 of Girl Next Door. Um, Today I want to talk about something that um, has really, really, really been on my mind a lot and it's something that has been talked about a lot in church world, in Christian world for the last couple of years. It's a topic that a whole heap of research has been done around. Um, And obviously, Cameron and I being in young adult and youth space and having a church that's filled with young adults, this is something that comes up often in conversation. So what I want to look at today is what do young adults really want from church? And I'll explain to you why why this has kind of come about. Um, And there are a few other topics as well that I'm probably going to hit up around this over the next few weeks, but we'll see how we go. But it's absolutely no secret that young people are leaving the church, um, you know, in in quite large, you know, crowds, I guess they'd say, uh, not just here in Australia, but it's a problem right across the world. And we've got young people that are more disillusioned by the church than ever. Now, I want to weigh into this, particularly as a pastor and someone who runs a church, um, but also someone who over the last few decades has been involved with young people. And this is something all of us are hearing about. We've all seen the endless accounts on social media. I mean, the latest kind of trendy thing to do is to deconstruct our faith, right? Like I've actually done a couple of episodes on this. Or there are accounts out there like, have you guys heard of that account, Do Better Church? Really annoys me, that account, even the name of it. I'm like, how about you do better? (laughs) Whenever I see that, Do Better Church. Um, And on that account, I know the person that's behind that and very interesting lady. She's actually, the more that I watch her, the more bitter I see her becoming. It's very interesting. But on that account, it's dedicated to calling out churches and pastors for their supposed behavior, making them accountable. Don't the progressive people love using the word accountable? Not by the way that there's anything wrong with being accountable. That's a good thing. But, you know, they endlessly talk on these um, Instagram accounts about the trauma that different people have experienced in churches and from different leaders. And, you know, and some of that is legitimate and uh, warranted and and deserved. Um, but I just want to unpack what seems to be happening. Um, I've been, I've actually been a part of panels by research companies like Barna. I don't know if you guys have heard of Barna. When they released their data about three years ago about what was happening with our young generation and churches, um, and Barna re- release research on a pretty regular basis to do with what's going on in church world. But they've been doing the last few years really focusing on that. And when they released their Australian data, they went around Australia doing different panels as a part of their kind of um, releasing of that. And I was a part of the one here in Brisbane. It was really fun to be a part of actually. And it was on this very topic. What is it that young people are wanting in churches? Um, 
the movement that I come from, um, uh, you know, we're probably one of the only movements seeing the number of young adults increase, which is amazing. But even then, in comparison to population growth and considering the amount of young people still leaving the church, it's probably um, still concerning even in our own denomination. Now, I've been watching closely as well as considering all the data and considering all the research. I've been keeping up with all the research. Um, and I've been coming to my own conclusions about this for quite a while now, and I've been listening and observing and asking questions a little bit like Brene Brown style. I love Brene Brown. If you guys don't know her, she's got a few fantastic books, a few really great Ted. That's how she became famous actually from this Ted talk. Um, I love her, her style of research because her style of research is collected by, um, hearing other people's stories. She doesn't so much collect, you know, surveys and stats. She's about listening to people and listening to their stories and getting data from that. And that's kind of pretty much how I roll and how I love being able to make conclusions and about things is I like to do the same thing. So that's exactly what I did on my Instagram recently, recently, but I'll get there in, um, in a moment. But increasingly, I think pastors and leaders perhaps don't have their finger on the pulse of what young people, particularly young adults, are wanting from our churches. So I think what worked a few decades ago, or even five to eight years ago, is no longer working. And that's not just in church world, that that can apply to any area of society. Our society is changing so quickly. What people are wanting and demanding is changing so quickly. And I think there's, you know, there's obviously a balance in listening to that, but it doesn't mean also at the same time, you have to absolutely throw everything out either. You know, that whole don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of deal. But I think what's been happening is churches have strived so hard to be relevant and maybe gotten caught up in a pattern and a way of doing things that now is not resonating with a lot of young adults. So let me give you an example, something that I saw happen a few years ago, not that many years ago, but um, we had a a guest preacher at our church. And often when preachers travel, they bring someone with them. So, I mean, that's not the point of my story, but let's just park on that just for a moment. Even that in itself, right? Now, I get it. I do. I understand why guys travel and want to bring someone with them. Um, Usually it's because it's an accountability layer for them. It's an extra layer of protection for them. Um, But let's be honest, I guess that protection layer is so that they don't engage in immoral behavior. Um, Or maybe they bring someone along just to literally to help them, to help them maybe sell product or carry product or... Uh, it could just be for company. And sometimes they do bring someone along because they want to um, give that person, like they're training that person. It might be someone that is going to themselves one day be an itinerant minister. But even that fact that someone always has to, a preacher brings someone with them, the young adults do question that. I get a lot of questions from young adults. They're like, why do they do that? Like they, they're like, what the heck? I think they, they calculate things like why, what's it for? 
well, can't they even go a couple nights without like being worried that they're going to engage in immoral behavior? Like if that's the case, then why are they out traveling? And they really are looking and watching and questioning all of these things that have been quite acceptable, even encouraged in the past. Anyway, this preacher had someone travel with them and he was super lovely. Um, but I was watching the interactions between them and it even made me feel a little bit awkward. So like the guy with him was there to basically jump to every need and whim of this, of this preacher, of this itinerant preacher. And to be honest, even I was a little bit embarrassed because that's just not the way that I roll. It's not the way that Cameron and I roll. Um, but that's me personally, because when I travel, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Be re- you want to be respectful to people and, you know, you want to be treated nicely and you want to be kind. But in my eyes, I'm like, guys, I'm human. Like, I'm not a celebrity or a superstar. I can carry my own bags. Like literally when people offer, which they always do and I get, it's super polite and I love that they're polite because I would probably do the same. But my answer is always, no, I'm all good, but thank you. Um, And I get also that there's an honor thing here. I've just been reading in my own personal devotion time about about that in, um, I think it's in John, I think I've been reading about it, uh, about treating people that minister, treating them well. Um, and look, that's a whole other podcast, guys, whole other podcast. But I think maybe it's just gone a little bit too far. Anyway, I felt a bit uncomfortable, but kind of shook it off and went into the service. Anyway, at the end, I noticed when this preacher got down from the stage that his, I'll call him his traveling helper, had a bottle of water ready for him. Fair enough. Handed him a water. No problem. That's nice. But I noticed the guy even loosened the the top, the bottle top for him. And I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. Okay. Like, can you not like unloosen your own bottle top? But all right. And then, um, and then, you know, the, the, the preacher had a, a few sips of water and then he handed the bottle back to his helper guy like, I don't know, me, if that were me, if I've got a bottle of water, I kind of just bend down and put it on the floor myself. But no, we handed it back to the, to the, to the helper guy. And then he also handed him back the lid. So now the guy had to screw the lid back on and then put the bottle of water on the floor for this preacher. And I remember thinking, okay, what is going on right now? Um, and I also remember thinking, oh heck, I hope no one's noticed that. Cause that's probably, you know, that's a little bit OTT. That's a little bit too much and doesn't really reflect Cameron and I. Um, so anyway, I was a bit embarrassed, but I didn't say anything. I just hope that no one else noticed. But a few hours later, I was having a conversation with some young adults, you know, and they, they loved the service and they were all positive and they were really upbeat. But the next thing, one of them kind of laughed and said, what's the deal with the water? Carney put his own lid on, like that was a bit much. That's literally what came out of this young adult's mouth. And then all the young, other young adults kind of had a bit of a laugh and agreed. And I remember thinking, okay, this is interesting. They are watching. And this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Stuff that once upon a time was like the cool thing to do, although I never thought it was the cool thing to do. I've always thought you can pick up your own bottle of water. (laughs) Um, But young adults, increasingly, they are not letting that stuff go by anymore. They don't respect that. They notice these things. And instead of making it, um, you know, instead of making them feel like, 
oh yeah, that person's really important and I look up to them, it actually does the opposite. And in their minds, if you've come to preach and you're behind the pulpit, but on the floor, you can't even put a lid on your own drink bottle, then why should they listen to you? That's literally the way that that a lot of them are starting to think. So anyway, that's just a really kind of practical example, but I'm going to unpack it a bit more. I jumped on Instagram last week. I can't even remember what motivated me. I think it probably was the fact that um, each year we do a series um, around, um, you know, connections or relationships. Most churches do. That's like not rocket science or whatever. But I just wanted to know from young adults, what is it that you're really looking for in a church? And so I put it out there on my Instagram. What do you want most from a church? Now, the responses were instant. I mean, usually those things take a little while, but it was instant and they came flooding in. So I thought, okay, well, I'll ask another question. What is it that turns you off of church? What don't you want in a church? And again, the answers flooded in. And then I asked a question, Um, I asked them to expand on the first question because like I'm going to share in a minute, it was overwhelming the one thing that they were looking for. So I asked them to um, expand on that, which they did. And again, massive response. So I pushed my luck a bit more and I was like, okay, well, I'm a pastor. I'm going to put it out there. What do you want most in a pastor? And what do you not want in a pastor? And you know, also I had a lot of people inbox me and say, Thank you for asking these questions because we feel like nobody really wants to ask them. So I was really taken back by the responses because there was literally hundreds of them. But I also, on the other token, was not surprised by the answers because, like I said, everything that I've taught, um, that I've seen, studied, been a part of. So I want to spend the rest of today sharing. Um, we'll get to probably only the first question that I asked today, which was, "What do you want most?" in a church, but I want to give you a big warning before I start to share them. I've got them here with me. I printed them out, pages and pages. Um, We have to be, particularly if we're leaders and pastors, we have to be open-minded and honest to hear the answer because I know exactly what most people are going to respond when they hear what I'm about to share. Most will say, oh, we're already doing that. And I know because I've suggested that myself before to many, uh, many times I've, I've made this suggestion of what I'm about to talk about. And the answer I always get is we're already doing that. But there's a huge problem with this response. We're not already doing it. Because if we were, young adults the world over would not be leaving the church. If we were, young adults would not be leaving um, and flooding you know, uh, social media, like accounts, like do better church. If we were hundreds, wouldn't be flooding into my Instagram and there wouldn't be article after article and research paper after research paper written about this very topic. So the only way forward is to be honest with ourselves about what it is that they're wanting and to make a commitment to listen and to move forward. Um, the best, well, not even in the best way we know how to, to move forward in a, in a new way, because I believe the church is in the middle of a revolution. Now we talk about revival, but I think first there has to be a revolution in how we do church. It's obvious that there is a shaking of the church. Things are being uncovered left, right, and center. Um, but I think that it has to be, and it's not a bad thing because we, we have to change. 
Okay, so let me read a bunch of responses and see if you can pick up on the very obvious patterns here. All right, here we go. Got all my papers in front of me. I'm not going to read all of them because there's too many, but let me read a bunch to you. This is what people were asking, uh, letting me, telling me that they wanted in a church. They want proper discipleship, connection, and belonging, um, authentic relationship, inclusivity, and not clicks, authenticity, and community, friends, community, friendship, support, a like minded community. Um, more preachers, preach, preaching sessions, that would be preachers aimed at young adults, connection and mentoring from older generations, raw, real vulnerability, honesty, authenticity without unnecessary, unnecessary hype, acceptance, community and connection, genuine connection, true friends, to genuinely belong and be genuinely cared about, community and acceptance, a church focused on God, not on their own brand, a sense of belonging, intentional discipleship, accountability, real friendships, authenticity and fun and belief in them, a genuine interest, family and community, People to journey with, 17 to 19-year-old kind of friends who know you inside out. Preaching from the Bible, not just self-help waffle. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Community and understanding. Um, Intentional and purposeful connection. Authenticity. We are done with the show. Genuine connection. Honest teaching. Genuine belonging and authenticity quality friendships and mentoring, foundational teaching, honesty, authenticity, community, preaching that addresses life's big questions and authenticity, Uh, godly friends, community, other young adults, connection and community, to be reminded they are wanted and welcome, community, community again, Um, genuine people and conversations. Are you getting the picture here, guys? Uh, Encounters with Jesus, community, community and support, especially if they're a young family. Someone put more single men. (laughs) I know who that was. She said, just kidding, Mama B. She's not kidding. We're working on it. Uh, Family, real community, and we don't care what that looks like. We want real talk. Um, community, friendship, family, godly discipleship. Ah, let's see. I'm trying to find something that says something different, but it just doesn't. Holy Spirit. That's a nice one. People to do life with community and connection. People to do life with again, family. And I thought this one was beautiful. So many come from broken families. Everyone's looking for it. Guys, that's just a selection of some of the things that, um, that people came into my DMs with on just one of the questions. So what I did with that is I highlighted all the words that kept appearing and every, nearly, nearly every single response had different versions of the same thing, which is community. So, um, you know, you, you would have heard the word there, community, lots of times, connection, friends, friendship, belonging, and family. So can you see what I mean? Because, Most churches believe that they do this already, but what did I say? We have to be 
open-hearted and open-minded that we're not doing it in, I don't think, uh, well, no, it's not even that I don't think. Young adults are telling us that we're not doing it in a genuine, um, real kind of a way. Because what I also did was I took note of all the adjectives before all of the words. And these are the words that kept appearing over and over and over. Authentic, real, genuine, proper, true. So those words kept popping up before the words community, friends, etc. And I was really considering how I wanted to do this podcast because I ended up doing a whole sermon on it at um, at our church this week, just gone by. But um, I really considered that I don't know that I actually want a podcast about how to do this. I think today I just wanted to point out what it was that they were wanting but I don't know that I really want to talk about how exactly to do it or how to create community. Because if I tell you the how to and the ABC of how we're creating community at our church, well, then that automatically becomes not genuine and not authentic at all. In fact, to me, that would just be exacerbating the problem that the church already has, which is that we want a formula. We want a a measuring stick for someone to give to us. We want to just copy what someone else is doing because it's working. Uh, You know, it's like we want to grab what's what's supposedly successful in another church environment and, and apply that to ours. Izzy and I were just talking about this on the weekend and we're like, we, we can't even kind of really explain how it is that we're doing that in our in our church setting. We've got a lot of young adults um, coming to our church and finding that community and saying to us, it's it's different here, there's something different here. And they keep using those words, it's, it's real and it's out of the box and it's authentic. And Izzy and I were talking about it and going, I don't even know what we're doing. Like t- to us, we're just being ourselves. Um, and so I guess, yeah, to try and explain that is like, I think we've all got to work that out for ourselves in our own spaces because every community is different, every church is different, and we have to work out what that looks like for us. Uh, so one of our young adults was telling me the other day that someone said to them, oh, it's so frustrating, hey, so many young adults are leaving our church. And our young adult's response was, oh, no, we don't, we don't have that problem. We don't have that problem at public. And I find that it's so funny in a way because public is a church plant on the Gold Coast. And then two years later, we planted a plant from, sorry, we planted from that plant in Brisbane. So we've done two plants in, in like four years. We don't have a building. We don't have assets. We don't have a whole lot of money. Um, in fact, we're probably in really in a little bit of an ugly building. We're grateful. We're grateful, but a little bit of an ugly building in Brizzy. We're in a community hall sports hub on the Gold Coast. But it just seems like that is not what matters at all to young people. Um, and it can be hard sometimes, uh, you know, just from our point of view, because sometimes we're like, oh, we watch other churches and they've got resource dripping off their fingertips and they're in massive buildings worth millions of dollars and you know, here we are in our little sports sports hub and in this um, retro kind of, we'll call it retro because it's kind of old school little building right opposite um, a Westfield at Garden City, which is amazing space, um, but a bit kind of old school. And sometimes we can get a bit discouraged and be like, oh, you know, imagine what we could do if we had those other buildings, or if we had a lot of money. 
But I often say to Cameron, no, this is, I think God has got us where he has for a purpose and for a reason, because I think that makes us so much more creative and innovative. And it is an exciting adventure. Young people want to be a part of something exciting and young adults can really feel that and they love that. And the truth is, we're just not trying to be someone else or something else. We're very much ourselves. We're not striving for numbers. There's no hype. And I think all of that kind of adds to the attractiveness for young adults because I think it's not just in church world. It's in world the world in general, in society, where they're just being handed so much stuff that's you know, polished and fake. And I'm not talking about churches being fake, by the way, I'm talking about social media, you know, everything's got filters and everyone puts up the highlight reels of their lives. And the art of conversation seems to have gone now, uh, because everyone's doing things over social media and they're really hungry, uh, for something so much deeper. So, so not once on those responses, did anyone say that they wanted to be in a nice building or have a nice stage or have more resource or, um, or cool branding, you know, and we're the first ones at our church to like love creativity and a bit of cool branding, but they never mentioned any of that once. And they barely actually even mentioned good teaching. There was a couple in there that talked about good teaching. It was none of that because all of that to them is secondary to the one thing they're really after which is community, which I would say what they mean by community is family, real deal, genuine friends to do life with and to do life alongside, you know, not forced by a once a month young adult hang or a connect group or someone that they just happen to chat with on a Sunday, but real friends, lifelong, genuine, be by my side through thick and thin kind of friends. And I know Cameron and I have been so blessed that we did get that from our community in Adelaide. Now, we came from a really big church in Adelaide, by the way. So this is not a big church, small church thing. Our church was one of the well, the largest church in Adelaide that we were from, and we had incredible communities. So it can be done really well, regardless of the size of your church. And people comment to this day, how come all you Adelaide guys are such good friends? And we are. Our best friends are now all around the place, all around the world and all around Australia. And we all keep in close contact on a continual basis. And people um, often will comment and go, you guys are so tight. Well, that was created back in our church, back when we were in our early young adult years. I had a friend that even came to our church this weekend gone by that was also from Adelaide and um, and happened to pop into our church last Sunday. And I happened to be preaching on this very topic where I set up a biblical framework for human connection. And this person came to me with, with tears running down their face saying, I just was saying yesterday how lonely I am. And everything that you're saying is exactly what we've been looking for. And we just can't find it. Why can't we find what we grew up with? And, um, and I said, well, come, come join us here and help us do that here. Um, to have those lifelong friends. I missed a call from my best friend before. Sorry, Franca. Um, you know, we, we talk to each other all the time and we've been together since our late teens or early twenties. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for someone that, uh, friendships that go beyond the church walls. 
that even go beyond the season, you know, we've moved churches and we still retain those friendships. They are special. And like I said, this is a society-wide problem. Uh, But church shouldn't reflect society. It should influence it and change it. So I want to finish with this article that someone sent me called The Lonely Crowd. And I want to read a little bit. I'm just going to click on my little link here. I want to read a bit of it to you. Someone sent this to me a few days ago, and I just thought it was such a great article. It, It was only written in January of this year. And the title of this article is The Lonely Crowd, Churches Dying Due to Friendlessness. Let me read it. Uh, Who's it by? Mike Frost, whoever he is. I've lost count of the number of Christians who've told me they either stopped attending church or left their church to join another one because they couldn't make any friends there. They report that the church people were friendly enough, they were hospitable and welcoming. And as one person told me, they're nice to you, but no one becomes your friend. And it hurts when all that friendliness leads only to friendlessness. In the 50s, sociologist David Reisman coined the term the lonely crowd. In part, it was to describe collectors of people who live according to common traditions and conforming values, but who barely know or like each other. I fear the church is in danger of becoming just such a lonely lonely crowd. I know pastors think long and hard about how to be better preachers and leaders, how to calibrate the church's ministries to meet needs and serve others, and how to be more missional, more adaptive, and more innovative. These are all good things. But is it possible that all that leadership development, visioning, and ministry planning might be wasted if people can't find friends and they just drift away? Before hosting any more conferences or seminars on vision casting, living your best life, or finding your spiritual gift, how about we start equipping people in friendship making? Becoming and being a friend isn't easy. It takes intentionality and training. It might be your church's next major challenge. Okay, you can read the rest of that yourself. If you look it up, you'll you'll be able to find it, The Lonely Crowd by Mike Frost. But let me just reiterate a couple of those quotes there. They're nice to you, but no one becomes your friend. And that's kind of sad because we are nice to people at church. All of us are. We're all super friendly on a a Sunday. But then the definition of the lonely crowd just fits the church so well. The word used to describe collectors of people who live according to common traditions and conforming values, but who barely know each other. So, um, yeah, like I said, we have to be really open-minded about that. And, you know, this isn't going to take one conversation. This is going to take a, a real honest look and a dig deep into how we can change this part of how we do church in such a way that people are finding their friends. And look, we might have to do some actual training. I know I train young people in the in the academy how to ask questions and how to have conversations. Um, anyway, it made me... Um, think too of someone that said to me recently that when they first joined our church, that Cameron, and these, this couple are Cameron's of my age and they've actually been in ministry themselves. And Cameron said to them, what, you know, what is it that you want? What do you want to do here at public? What is it that you want? And the, um, the wife who's my friend actually said, I just want to make friends. 
And it's just that simple. And she said to me, he was more than okay with that. And he was the first pastor who hasn't wanted us to, quote, get us on the tools from the start. And she just um, thanked us for that and reiterated even people, you know, that are older. And I know for me, you know, my kids are getting to an age where they don't need me as much anymore and they're a lot busier themselves. And um, I've even been thinking more about being super intentional about investing in my friendships. So anyway, guys, there you go. So there's the big answer. Uh, it's not rocket science, hey, but yet apparently it is because it's something that young adults are really missing. And I think that we as the church can be an incredible answer to this, but we have to be really honest and stop saying we're already doing it because maybe there are a few churches that are already doing it, but I'd say a lot of us need to really look long and hard at that. So guys, take that with you. Um, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to head with this. I did go on to actually ask people, what do you mean by community? Because I wanted to see if they could articulate it. So maybe I'll have a look at that and um, unpack that a bit next week. But I also want to get down to the one about what they do and don't want in pastors. That's close to home because that's part of what I do. Anyway, guys, you are amazing for listening. And thank you to every single person that participated by answering that question. Uh, That was on my personal Renee Bennett Instagram, my Instagram account, not my girl next door one. So um, I really, really appreciated that because it really just reiterates what I think we all know. Anyway, guys, I love this little community here, even though I get to talk to you, but you don't get to talk back to me unless you jump into my DMs. Please feel free to do that. Until then, have a wonderful week and I will see you on Friday for Parenthood Friday. Bye.